Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Paris. We've got a guest with us on the line. Before we get to her, though, quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by AminoCo. With over 30 years of research by a world-renowned scientific team, AminoCo has determined the precise blends of amino acids needed for you to become more fit, increase your lean muscle mass, and improve your overall metabolic health. So I've tried uh, two AminoCo products, Perform and Heal. Perform is an essential amino acid blend with 60 milligrams of caffeine, so it's great for a pre-workout or kind of a midday pick-me-up. Uh, one scoop of Perform helps me improve performance and endurance in my workouts, so whether I use that before the workout or kind of midday just because I'm feeling a little sluggish. The amino acid blend is optimized to improve muscle performance while providing mental support and energy. So just one scoop is enough to kind of feel the difference and get things going. Or if you need more energy, you can always add in more scoops. Uh, say two to three are the recommended for athletes for maximum results. AminoCo's products are keto-friendly, soy-free, non-GMO, and the ingredients are 100% clean, which is something that's really awesome. It's a great pre-workout product or midday pick-me-up that tastes great. You know, personally, my favorite flavor is blue raspberry. I think it tastes delicious. The other product of theirs I've tried is Heal, which is a post-workout and recovery product. It's amino acid-based, just like Perform, uh, but this one has some whey protein in it. I've tried their all-natural flavor. It's a sour apple flavor. I think it tastes really good. Uh, Heal is also 100% science-backed and originally developed for astronauts. And just like Perform, it's clinically proven to build muscle and speed recovery. It's a great product for those looking to keep their muscle mass and stay lean while keeping calories lower. Heal is also very effective for accelerating surgical and injury recovery, which are crucial for athletes, especially OCR athletes. If anyone wants to give these products a try, you can head over to aminoco.com TSS. So aminoco.com TSS, as in team strength speed. And you can use code STRENGTH, which will give you 30% off plus a free gift. Uh, so check that out. And also keep an eye out because I'll be doing a couple of reviews on Mudder and Guide. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Uh, joining me, I have Kate Bikowitz. Uh, did I say that right? Yes. All right, sweet. She just told me right before we started the episode and I immediately <laughs> forgot. Um, <laughs> terrible. Anyway, uh, so we got Kate joining us. She's on the Grit Fitness Pro team there. And uh, we've actually overlapped a couple times in the last couple of weeks uh, sharing the podium together. So she finished second at Toughest Motor Poconos, uh, individual female, first at Rugged Maniac. Uh, had some other great results this season, including uh, a second place female at a 50 miler, a, uh, let's see, Decafit second overall in the competitive di division, first in her age group. Uh, 2020, she had a couple of podiums there, actually all wins there. Uh, Dauntless Primal Assault races and a gravel growler. Is that a trail race or a bike race? Uh, it's supposed to be a gravel race, but it ended up being mostly pavement, but gotcha. it's running. And, uh, you know, I had a handful of other podiums over the last couple of years, you know, you know, probably, you know, five to eight each year for the last like five years. And one of the crazy things when I was looking over when we were talking, kind of getting ready for this episode, um, she ran her first warrior dash in 2010, which is like, it's like one of the first warrior dashes ever, like period. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. All right. So let's let's just jump right into it because we're a little bit pressed for time. Um, so how did you find Warrior Dash in 2010? Because like I didn't. I mean, let's like I said, that was one of the first races period like ever. <laughs> so like I didn't even know to look for something, you know. 
Yeah, it was kind of more of just like a, I always looked at road races and it came up as an adventure run in Ohio and it was kind of new at the point. It was just kind of this thing where you jump through dumpsters at that point and over some barbed wire and that was about it. There really wasn't much to it, but then right after that, Tiff Mutter took into effect and they kind of started this whole thing. So it just kind of fell in front of me, I guess. <laughs> gotcha. And then when did you actually, so how, how long were you just kind of running those for fun and when did you switch to competitive? Um, I ran in Ohio for about four years, just kind of for fun, Mud Ninja and Warrior Dash and Town Air And then when I moved here, I ran here for about two years before I really started doing anything competitive. Conquer the Gauntlet was my first competitive race, and I failed miserably. So I kind of stayed out of it again for like another year. And then I think it was 2018, maybe the fall of 2017, I started being competitive in OCR. Not, nice. Yeah. The, the failing miserably at your first Conquer the Gauntlet is kind of the standard. <laughs> That's kind of what everyone does. Um, the people who don't fail miserably. I still fail that, to be fair. Yeah. The people who don't fail miserably are the exception, um, um, which I, which like I kind of like because it, it means you got you to gotta work for it. You know, um, most people can't just show up and you wing really it. really do. And then, so you started racing competitively and, um, you know, what kind of races do you primarily look for? Uh, right now, mostly ultra running or ultra OCR stuff that doesn't necessarily require to be the best at obstacles because I'm really not. Uh, running is my specialty, especially endurance runs. I can be uncomfortable for a while. I'm not super fast and I'm not super slow, but I can like solid middle of the pack pretty much all day. <laughs> so you've done uh, Toughest Mudder. You've done World's Toughest Mudder. I know you have a uh, pretty crazy experience. I think it was from 2018, uh, World's Toughest Mudder. Or maybe it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, in twenty yeah, it was twenty eighteen. Twenty nineteen I got medical disqualified for hypothermia. Um twenty eighteen though, I tore my typical tendon about five miles in. It was somewhere around Black Widow. I was just standing on the one of the toe straps and I just felt something snap in my ankle. So I didn't know what I did at the time, but I just went ahead and walked in and then uh, my friend's sister wrapped it so that I could put some weight on it and I just continued to kinda hobble along for another forty. 40-ish miles, yeah, for the rest of the night. Luckily, there was nobody else out there because that was the night. It was really cold. So I was, like, crawling up the uphills on some of them, and it was kind of embarrassing. So I'm just glad there wasn't really that many people left out there in the middle of the night, but it was the year it was freezing cold. So yeah. I was just glad to make it out there. <laughs> yeah, that was 2018 Georgia, and there was literally ice forming on obstacles. Yeah. That one. <laughs> so... You know, I, I think people go to that race, right, and they'll start hurting, and they'll be like, oh, I don't want to do permanent damage. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, really mess something up. And obviously, <laughs> you hurt yourself, and you kept going. And, like, you know, as, as, as like, a trainer, you know, I'd be like, well, that's not the right answer. But as an endurance athlete, like, I understand where you're coming from. So I guess just temp take me through your mindset. And as far as that decision-making process, we were like, I'm pretty sure I hurt something. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the smartest one, uh, but World's Heaviest Mudder had been my A race kind of all year. Uh, I had been searching for kind of this like accomplished feeling that I didn't get when I finished my first 100 miler, and I kept seeing all these videos of everybody finishing World's Heaviest Mudder, and it just seemed like maybe I would get this achievement feeling from World's Heaviest Mudder. So I knew that I wanted to finish the race, and that was kind of like my main focus was just make sure you finish in the morning so you can be considered an official finisher. Uh, looking back on it, if I would have known what I actually did to it, I probably would not have continued because I still have issues with it uh, to this day, and I take about eight months off and a lot of doctor's appointments to deal with it. But in my head, I just knew I wanted to see that finish line, and so I did. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Kelly, Kelly, um, I'm trying to, Kelly Williams. Yeah. So Kelly actually hurt herself on that race too. Um, pretty early in the race. I think we're on mile 10. So I think she got another five miles ahead of you, Lucky. Um, which explains why she got, she got 50 miles of that race. Uh, you got 45. Yeah, I'm gonna go 45. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I give you a lot of credit for your perseverance. That's uh, that's impressive. I think it helped that it was so cold because it just never really had time to swell up at all, and it was just constantly pretty much on ice because it was so cold that day that it really took a lot of the swelling down, and we couldn't really tell how bad it was. Plus, it was wrapped really, really tightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you said your first hundred mile. Have you, how many have you? How many have you done? Uh, successfully only that one. <laughs> okay. I have tried another two since then. Uh, I DNF'd in August of last year or yeah, August of last year, actually it was still happened because of COVID. Uh, I got sick from the beginning. Uh, I don't know what it was, but so I pulled out at 52 and Eastern States, I DNF'd at about mile 72 back in 2019, I believe it was. So I think people always say they learn a lot from their failures. So, you know, what is there anything you can take away from those races that'll make you a better winner uh, in the future? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Eastern States in itself was a very beautiful race and I had won an entry. It was kind of gifted to me. So I was like, okay, I guess we'll try a hundred miles because I really had no intentions of trying for a hundred miles. So that was my first attempt at a hundred miles. So to get 72, I was actually pretty happy with it, especially being in the mountains since I'm from Oklahoma. It's pretty flat. Um, I've learned pretty much that no matter how much I can put in on an incline trainer, as far as elevation goes, there is just no substitute for those downhill runnings. They just absolutely wreck your quads. So I learned that I am not good at mountain races, <laughs> but they were a lot of fun and I will probably still venture to more. It's just kind of the if and when, cause they take so much time to train for. Yeah. And then so much time to recover from, especially, I mean, it, even if even if you DNF, I mean, you probably DNF because you've done so much damage to your body that it's, yeah. you know, you're, you're like, so whether you finish or don't finish, you're still doing an incredible amount of damage. It's going to take a lot to recover from. Yeah, they take a really long time, especially Eastern States. That was probably the hardest recovery I ever had, and I didn't even make it to the end. So major kudos to everyone who does. Where does that one take place? Because, I mean, I've heard of Western States before. I'd actually never heard of Eastern States. Yeah, a lot of people don't, and I'm not really sure why. it's the more pretty version in my opinion it's in pennsylvania and it's in like the quote pennsylvania wilds so it's very just straight up and down it was like twenty-one thousand feet of gain so it's just as hilly and there's still a lot of like scramble areas in the woods and it gets super dark because it's in like the valleys of mountains and stuff but it's absolutely gorgeous up there nice all right so let's talk a little bit about some of the recent uh, ocr races um, so I know you came out to battle of the lions in, uh, Dallas, right? Did were you at Kansas? You were in yes. Kansas city. Also. No, just okay. Dallas. What, what'd you, so let's start off with battle of the lions. Then we'll jump into <laughs> rugged and toughest. What'd you think of, uh, battle of the lions, Dallas? Uh, I think it totally kicked my butt. I am not obstacle savvy. As I said, I, it was very obstacle heavy. It was the grip course, I believe. It was very well put on, though. A lot of fun obstacles. A fun course. That was the post gate. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was. I liked how it was set up. Uh, um, it was very challenging for me, at least. So I'm hoping that the OKC one in a week or two isn't quite as hard. <laughs> so I have a chance, but I don't know. 
Yeah, I was gonna ask about that. So I'm assuming you're coming to the Oklahoma City one. Um, the yeah, endurance I, I one. can't skip that one. Yeah, yeah, it's like 20 minutes from my house, so I have to. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good one. I mean, it, uh, it'll be good. Play to your strength as far as the endurance running go. I think the hard part is going to be, you know, I'm assuming it's three laps mandatory obstacle completion. So depending yeah. on what obstacles they put out there, it might um, it might shake up the field a little bit. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how things go. And the uh, rugged maniac. We actually crossed past that rugged maniac, and um, I saw you at the start line, and I was like, "You're gonna." you're going to crush this field. I was like, you're just going to crush it. You're like, well, I don't know. You know, sometimes there's people that show up and I'm like, no, you're gonna, it's you. <laughs> and, hey, I said uh, the same thing to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came in second, so I did not quite crush the field. You still, you still did. I look back at my pictures and that guy actually has won every single year. I've done it. The guy who got first. So yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I, 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 someone posted a picture from the previous, I think it was you maybe posted the previous year. Probably. And I was like, Oh, that was the same guy. Um, yeah. Every year I looked back, <laughs> it's the same guy every time. Never seen him anywhere else though. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually in fourth for the first, I, I was proud of how I ran that day. Cause I was in fourth for the first mile and, um, cause it was a lot of easy obstacles and basically all yeah. running. And then we finally started hitting a little, a couple, a little more dense obstacles. And I moved from fourth into second, and then I just didn't have enough time to uh, run down the first place guy. So, um, yeah, I have my well, money on you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are your opinions on Rugged Maniac? So Rugged Maniac doesn't get a whole lot of spotlight in the OCR role, um, probably because they don't have like big cash prizes or anything. Um, yeah, you know, a little more known to their party. Yeah, I think they're underrated a lot. I, a lot of the more elite OCR racers, I think, tend to look at it more as just a fun run, but I think it's a really fun time, and I really think more people should give it a chance. I mean, it's not hard by any means, but it's quick, and it's fun, in my opinion. I like their inflatable obstacles. They still always make me look less than graceful. I think I belly flopped out of that belly of the beast one, so. Yeah. I was actually going to come. So I've got an article that I'm uh, in the process of writing. It's called do inflatable obstacles belong in competitive obstacle course racing. So I'm not going to go through the detailed version, but I'll say this. There was an obstacle that was like an over under in, uh, yeah. in water. You know what you want to talk about? Yeah. I totally really thought that one. That was my favorite one. Cause I'm running full speed and I just, I'm like completely reckless, right? Like just throw my body into it. And there's a couple other ones that were a slide. And again, I know I'm not going to hurt myself. So instead yeah. of like, um, kind of gracefully, <laughs> gracefully jumping off the wall, like I get to the top and I just like let go. And it's, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be honest with you. I think they're a lot of fun. I ran that insane inflatable race way back when, when it first came around, they were some of the bounciest like bounce house things that I've ever been on. It was just so much fun. I think the fun part gets overrated a lot in OCR and a lot of people tend to look down on it, but I think it totally has a place <laughs> in the right time, the right place. And they're they're better than uh, Warrior Dash was, right? Like Warrior Dash had zero grip obstacles. Uh, yeah. Rugged at least has uh, it's called Barzan. Actually, they have a couple that are kind of gripped. At, like they have Barzan, which is essentially s- swinging. Uh, it's, it's monkey bars, but the, some of the bars are yeah. essentially moving. And the uh, that zipline one is it's like a mini zipline that's like uphill. Um, and that's not really a grip one, but it's. I mean, you have to hang from your hand. You hands. still got to hold on. Yeah, you still got to hold on. Uh, the cargo net, I mean, is not super graceful it's a it was just a free hanging sideways cargo net you traverse <laughs> yeah and then the there's uh, so the, many there's so many people like holding it down at the end of the race and they were still like falling off of it it was quite fun to watch oh if yeah when you stick around and watch things things get, <laughs> things get wild right like i was watching uh people go across bars and like with their feet 
uh, like hanging off of it. And I was like, please, <laughs> please don't do that. So if, if anyone wants to know, besides the obvious reason that you're making the bars super muddy and making it impossible for people. Behind yeah, you, right. The dangerous part is when you hang from your feet, when you fall, the first thing that goes down is your head, right? So you're going to land on, you're going to break a collarbone, you're going to hurt your neck, you know, and you're like, oh, well, I'm over water. Yeah, except if you're at the front or that back part of the obstacle, <laughs> you land on the edge of the of the land and then you, you get a concussion. So um, Wise words, wise words. <laughs> I mean, it, it comes from not my personal experience, but I, I've seen people, I've seen people um, do similar stuff and it's like, oh, and then tell people about the uh, final obstacle. Which one was? That? Oh, the warped wall one was that yeah. final? Yeah, the warped wall to the cargo net that had just enough gap for me to totally fall in between the little shipping boxes, and that was all I could think of when I crossed over. It was that I was going to die there. Uh, but the cargo net went up to the slide. I climbed up a little bit higher, and then there was the rocket ship slide that went into the pond of water. That was kind of like that ride at Cedar Point or an amusement park where you're like in the log and you go down. It was a lot of fun. It was way faster than I was expecting. Yeah, I agree with that. But I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And then if, if anyone who follows my Facebook is curious, my I have, obviously um, I like to say that Rugged Maniac is a, is a Stein hoisting contest that also has an obstacle course race at it because we go and my wife won again for the, uh, I think she's 5-0 and oh now. So. Yeah, she was intense. She did not move at all. She was a statue up there. <laughs> it's quite impressive to watch. Yeah, it's it's great. And the uh, the first year, the very first year we did it, she had my daughter, who was like probably six months old at the time, in like a chest harness, and my daughter fell asleep. <laughs> and I'm like, "Give me my daughter." And my wife's like, "No, I'm not moving her. She's sleeping." And I was like, "What are you gonna do?" She's like, "I'll just go up there with the baby." <laughs> so she's up there with the baby in the in the chest harness, holding the stein out. Uh, and she won. Awesome. She won that year, and it was like uh, the pictures from it are the absolute best because people are going <laughs> like even the people that lost are going ballistic, right? Your daughter's gonna love those pictures when she gets older. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. Good stuff. Check out Rugged Maniac again if you uh, follow Mud Run God. I just released an article, um, the review of Oklahoma City, and then a review of their VIP experience, and then there should be a Rugged Maniac X, their multi lap experience. A review coming out there and if anyone's curious about that again it's not competitive it just allows you to run multiple laps and um yeah tells you a little bit more about that experience all right let's jump into toughest so you're at toughest mudder poconos um how many toughest have you done before this uh three others okay i believe which ones do you remember uh the first toughest south which was eight hours in uh Atlanta. Somewhere in Texas. No, oh, somewhere in Texas. Texas, okay. Somewhere. I don't know where, though. And Twin Cities, and then uh, Dallas in 2019, the one at Texplex. Gotcha. Okay. All right, so t- um, give me a little of your opinion on the kind of how things went for the uh, toughest motor Poconos, toughest East. I think it went pretty well. I know that a lot of people had a gripe about the amount of pavement on the course, but I think it was still just a fun venue and a nice change of pace. Uh, Not all races need to be the same, in my opinion. Uh, The obstacles were fun. I'm a fan of pretty much all of them, except for the changes to Funky Monkey. The thicker bars was not a fan of because I have midget hands, and I can't get my hand all the way around it anymore, so that kind of sucked. So I fell off that a couple times, but I think it was a really well-run race. Uh, The storms were an added bonus. I think it was kind of pretty to watch the lightning and it was nice to have the rain out there kind of cooled off a bit, but I think it was a pretty fun race. 
Yeah, tell people about the start um, and our delayed start. Uh, we started at nine, I believe. I could be yeah. wrong. I think yep, it was nine. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so we started at nine. Uh, there's still quite a few storms. I was pretty surprised, actually, since they were talking about the lightning. Uh, lightning went on for a couple hours after that, and it lightly rained for quite a few hours off and on. But uh, so everything backed up uh, by an hour, but we still only had, what, 11 hours? So it was a little bit yeah. shorter than normal. But it still yeah, got it in. Yeah, essentially knocked you down a lap. So they, yeah. I know they adjusted the uh, contender status or whatever uh, up a lap if people were going for that. And I thought they handled the storms really well. You know, it was just, I was really worried we were going to start and then stop and then start. And then, you know, like it was just going to go like yeah. that all night. So like once we started moving, I was like, all right, like I'm yeah. glad we're moving. Like I just hope, I just don't want to stop now. Or if it does stop, yeah. I want it to be at like hour eight plus. That way we've at least gotten to the old toughest motor standard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was kind of be... concerned about those storms because they said about how they would pull us off course or whatever, and right. then they wouldn't add that lap. So I just kept thinking it's probably going to get pulled on at like 4.97 miles and then I'm going to get screwed. Yeah. But, so I know I constantly kept thinking about that, like, okay, just get the lap done, get the lap done every time I'd see lightning. So it was kind of always that like thought in the back of your head kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. There's, and there's really no, I mean, with a multi-lap race like that, it, like there's really no good solution. There's, yeah bad solutions and there's like slightly better <laughs> solutions um at least i didn't have that issue though so it's good yeah the I, I i did notice the thicker bars on uh funky monkey i do prefer the thinner ones but you know yeah i did i was still, all right, on that. I was still <laughs> all right on that one um the what's it gonna say? oh the pavement yeah you know i i i agree with you actually you know i OCR does not have to be all the same. And I like variation. I think the more variation, the better, right? Like I think doing sometimes on a mountain or sometimes on trail and sometimes on, yeah. you know, mix of pavement. I think that that that's part of obstacle course racing. It's very terrain. It's not always the same. Um, and if you didn't like the pavement, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of tough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a nice use of it. It was fun getting to explore like the other parts of the venue with the tunnel, with the Celine Dion and the glow sticks and, the, under the stands and the garages i thought it was a really cool use of it yeah so i didn't mind so yeah, it ran through pocono uh raceway so uh well, they, they do nascar races and yeah there was like you went through like one tunnel that was kind of like the entrance it was it like the entrance it had like a waterfall there which i thought was cool and like the pocono yeah. raceway sign and then you ran through another tunnel that i guess went under the course like and it was deep right like we went down a fairly deep <laughs> set of stairs and yeah. uh like did you would you i wasn't wearing my headlamp on the last lap and there was no one else in the tunnel and it was completely it was dark. dark it was pitch black and i'm like running and the you know the glow sticks aren't in a straight line so i'm like zigzagging yeah. and bouncing off the walls and i was like i'm just gonna hold on to the wall and just run with my hand touching the wall so i did yeah, not i actually got that. there I had a headlamp, but when I went in, it was pretty well still dark out. I must have went in right at sunrise or whatever. So I went in the tunnel when it was dark, and I came up the other side, and it was light enough that I could see under the stands and stuff, and it was kind of just – it was like I went in when it was dark, and I, I came out when it was light out. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it was yeah, interesting. I, I liked running through underneath the stands. I thought that was cool. I thought it was uh, just, again, just something different, something different to look mm -hmm. at. And I actually – um, I felt like it went by pretty fast and the, the obstacles yeah. were spread out pretty well where like I was always kind of engaged either looking at the stands or going through the tunnel or um, yeah. doing an obstacle or like I could see the next obstacle so I was thinking about the next obstacle so um, I just thought it was run really well.
yeah i like the obstacle placement the first like two and a half miles you kind of knew were easy and it was just kind of like a slow roll and then you had the more grip intensive ones and then you just kind of had the end of the tunnels and bleachers and stuff i really liked how it was set up this year i thought it was fun yeah but my only i'd say my only complaint was the the gauntlet obstacle right so it's a balance beam to rings to uh just tough mutters just the tip so it's like fingertips yeah. to and normally it's um bars and trailer hitches and then back to a finger traverse um and i've seen them also use rock climbing holds uh but this time it was all trailer hitches which in the rain i, I didn't notice it which in the rain was like ridiculous. It was like completely impossible. <laughs> I can barely reach the just the tip, so I don't think I ever made it that far. Every I think I fell trying to reach just the tip every single time when I would jump up to it. I think I slipped off. Yeah, it so was the, not short people friendly. <laughs> no, no, the, the the trailer hitch knobs right. Normally when they're on just the tip of uh, the old version, I just don't even touch them. Right, I just use the pegs. And um, when there's just trailer hitches, I have to use them. And again, it was like you mentioned, it was drizzling, so it was raining. So those things were wet all the time. Uh, they were impossible. So after I do one of the, after I fall one time, I'm, I'm like, is anyone making it across? And the girl's like, yeah, people are making it across. They're just using the top of the obstacle. And I was like, like above <laughs> the, like the structure of the obstacle. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> so, Sounds you know, right. <laughs> I was just like, I feel better knowing that you fell off it though too. So that doesn't make me feel so bad now. Yeah, I fell off every, I, I, I never made it across it. Um, okay, but, so that makes me feel a lot better because I'm pretty sure she knew me by name at that obstacle. <laughs> the volunteer for the oh, yeah. for the close I mean, al- almost no one, again, the only people who were doing the obstacle that I saw, um, maybe there was some, if, if let me put it this way. If anyone was making it across the obstacle on the trail hitches, um, shoot me a message and I will, <laughs> I'll send you one of my books for free. Just, I'll just put it out there. You shoot me a message. Wait, let me let me rephrase that because in case like I get like a dozen messages, whoever's <laughs> made it across the most times, uh, I'll send them a book for free <laughs> over the course of the night. Oh, that messages <laughs> me. Okay, um, yeah, but you know, I, I was like, that's you know, the, the structure of the obstacle is I always like off limits essentially, and uh, especially you on a grip obstacle. Um, but I was like, people should know better. Whatever. Um, yeah, you would think. But there was quite a few people that were walking around things like uh, Mud Mile as well. I mean, Mud Mile was outrageous in itself, but I saw quite a few people just without the really? band. Just, they kind of looked at it, looked down, and then just like scooted on past. So, yeah. That's a, you know, with multi lap races, a lot of it's on the honor honor system. Um, yeah. And they, they were pretty good. There was volunteers, I think, at every obstacle that I saw. Like at one point, I went, I saw Mud Mile without an, a volunteer. Um, it was early I think in the that night. was the only one. It was like my it was like mile twenty or something. Um, yeah, for me. Uh, but the yeah, m- most of them had volunteers, uh, so it was good. And the mud mile to give you an idea how bad it was. <laughs> that was that took the longest amount. Of, so I used my band there. They give you obstacle bypass bands at, at twenty miles, and every five miles after that, I used the majority of my bands at mud mile because it was it was just eating up so much time and it required so much effort. Yeah. Yeah, I did too, and that says a lot because I hate being cold, so I don't think I've ever not used my obstacle bypass band on Arctic Enema in my life at all really? of my events. <laughs> and I still, because that was my whole plan for this race, was to make it three laps before Arctic Enema opened, and so that's what I did, so I knew I would only have to get in it once, once I got that obstacle bypass band the rest of the night. And I hated Mud Mile so much that I got in Arctic Enema, which says a lot. I hate that thing. You got to shift your mindset. So uh, when I when I think of Arctic Enema, I think of taking an ice bath 
uh, for training. So the, my, my thought process is this is good. It's, it's reducing swelling. It's healing me. So it's actually <laughs> helping me. And that still sounds miserable. And then, and then if it, if it, if it's still, um, the, the other thing I think of not for this one, because there was a long cargo net afterwards that you had to crawl yeah. underneath, which was devil's beard. Essentially. It was also annoying. It was terrible. Yes. Um, <laughs> normally I use it as like a speed boost, right? Cause I come out of there and I just come, I come flying out of that thing because it, you know, I'm trying to warm back up. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> It is awful. I have a really hard time with cold. So for me, I got a lot of crap because I started in a wetsuit top that I wore the entire night and it was still only like 68 degrees, but I wore that thing all night and I was perfectly fine. So we, oh, weird. I'm I was sure, that I was sure cold. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm always that cool. <laughs> so that's why I hate Artigan. But plus that devil's beard, uh, it's not so bad for a guy. If you have a ponytail, you have your headlamp on the front and a ponytail on the back and it's, you can't go forward, you can't go backwards and it, you just get all sorts of caught up in it. Yeah, I see that. I can see that. It makes it 10 times harder. <laughs> my, my last comment is for people who come in a Toughest Mudder, write your name on the back of your bib. It's just, uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of people with like no name on the back. I, and I don't know, I like saying hi to people. Um, and I don't yeah. know who to say hi to if I can't read your name. Yeah, or, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's part of like the friendly atmosphere. It and really then, is. And then I also want to give a shout out to the guys at the top of Everest who were out there pulling people up all night again. So Francis and uh, his whole crew there. Um, yeah, yeah they go, they've been out to like every toughest mother for the last like two years and they just sit there all night and they just pull people up and then like Francis and some of his uh, friends have posted pictures of their hands afterwards and they look terrible right like they're they're swollen and fat oh, right because because people have just been yanking on their hands and um I try to like pull myself up a little bit but I know a lot of people uh essentially dead fish right they they grab their hands and then they just like all right, now you do all the work and they just lay there. So um, if anyone's at Everest, you know, keep, keep a tight position and uh, try to help them out. So, Quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by AminoCo. You can find their patented products at AminoCo.com slash TSS and you get 30% off with the code STRENGTH. One of the things I really like about AminoCo is all their products have been proven through actual clinical trials. Uh, so you know you're getting the best and you know it works. It's pretty crazy to see how much scientific data there is backing up these products. AminoCo uses a precise combination of essential amino acids in their products, which are proven compounds, with many years of scientific data backing up their effectiveness. Performs a great pre-workout product, which helps improve strength, focus, and endurance. And heals a great post-workout product for those that want to recover faster but keep their slim physique or racing weight. You get a lot of the same benefits of recovery as you would with something like whey protein, but at a much lower caloric cost. In clinical trials, HEAL was shown to be four times as effective as whey protein at triggering muscle repair. So you know it's good stuff. Make sure you check them out. I recommend Blue Raspberry as my favorite flavor of Perform. Again, you can check out their products at aminoco.com TSS and get 30% off with the code STRENGTH plus a free gift for uh, new users. All right, let's get back to today's episode. All right, what else you got uh, coming for 2021? Oh, um, we got Battle of the Lions coming up and World's Toughest Mudder and a couple local races. Uh, there's a organization here called Scars and Stripes Coffee, which is putting on a run in September, benefiting Empower the Veterans. So I'll be there instead of the toughest that is that day, September 25th. And then there's a couple other small local ones, but just WTM mostly. Gotcha. And then, you know, as an endurance athlete, um, I think feel like most people have a bucket list of races. Is there any kind of like 
big goals you have in the future or like big races you want to do? Um, um not really. Uh, the 250, the Corcodona one. I don't think that's the name. Cordona. I don't know. There's one that was kind of created. That 250 sounds interesting, but I am way too far off of that mileage to attempt a 250 miler right now. But maybe one day in the future. But other than that, that's pretty much my only bucket list race. I've done most of my other ones. Hmm. Interesting. What? So what? Uh, what's the allure of the two? I, for for me, when it gets above 100, um, there's just so much walking at that point. I yeah. don't know. It just doesn't. I don't look at it, doesn't it as so me. much of a race, I guess, as more of like an adventure, like multi-day, like sleep okay. a little bit. It More of like a couple days in the woods, not the creepy homeless type, but like just exploring an adventure. <laughs> and still, I don't know, it just, you get to explore so many places. And I think the whole, I'm big on like sites and just races that are really pretty and getting to see sites that you can't just drive to. So I think you get to cross a lot of those areas and just see a lot of things that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. So that's really the main appeal, but the 250 mile part of it really, that's quite a bit. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, I, I, I can uh, empathize with that. I understand. It's just, um, for me, it just, just doesn't do anything for me. The, it, it also, when you take out the obstacles, I start losing interest. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is for a lot of people. Yeah. I hear that a lot. <laughs> and I've done ultras. I've done uh, I've, I've done things up to a hundred miles, and um, just not after like going to ultra OCR and then like trying to go back to do some regular ultra running. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, this is so boring. What are we doing? <laughs> I was like, look at this guy. This guy, this guy's passing me. He can't even do a pull up. No, he can't do a pull up. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, smoking like a typical ultra OCR person. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to get any of them to kind of venture into just plain ultras without obstacles. They're always like, what? Nothing to do during it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about uh, your normal training week. You know, what um, What do you do for training and kind of, you know, how high is your mileage going when you're uh, peaking for some of these events? Um, it depends on obviously what I'm training for, but my average week is about 50 miles. I do a long run on Sunday. I have recovery runs on Monday and Wednesday, and then I have speed or interval training on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then I run five mile bonus mile runs on my lunch break during work with the girl I work with. And then I go to CrossFit after work. So I don't really train obstacles specifically ever. And I don't really have time to add it in, but I mostly just run, which is why I'm more of a runner than an obstacle person. <laughs> Yeah, that may, yeah, that'll make that'll do it. And sat, <laughs> you Saturday you take off or yeah, Saturday is usually for mountain biking or off roading of some sort. So I like to keep a healthy balance between the two. I could probably be a lot better if I donated more time to training, but I have other hobbies. <laughs> right on. And tell me about um, I know you're on the uh, the Grit Fitness team there. So tell me a little bit more about them. Yeah, I've been on Grit Fitness for three years. Obviously, they're based out of like Lake Jackson area down in Texas. So it's a bit of a drive for me to go down there all the time. But uh, they're a bunch of really great people who are always all about pushing themselves and kind of finding their limits sort of thing. So they're just a great group of people to be around and they're super encouraging. Awesome. And let's see what else we got here. Going a little bit out of order, but, you know, uh, talk about how you're um, – fitness in kind of high school and then college uh, kind of led into OCR or 
maybe did not so much lead into OCR? <laughs> um, I played soccer growing up from a young age. And so then after soccer, my parents put me in road 5Ks when I was in grade school. I think it was like eighth grade or so. My dad ran marathons growing up, so he was always big into running. So we sat at a lot of his races. So I was always active and I ran track and then I played varsity soccer all four years of high school. Uh, I dropped out of track and then I just kind of took a hiatus from running until uh, college OCR kind of came about and kind of piqued my interest to get back into running. But there was quite a few years in between there when I just didn't run anything. People always assume that I've always been an ultra runner, or like always a super heavy mileage, but I really never ran over like 15 to 17 miles-ish until 2018. So... Okay. And so why, why the draw into ultra now uh, after such a long time of uh, not participating in it? I don't really have a reason for that. Uh, my dad always said he wanted to run an ultra marathon. And I think that was my initial motivation to run an ultra marathon, which was in 2018. And it was 36 miles and it was probably around a nine minute pace somewhere around there. It was something that I didn't really think I was capable of doing. So after I did that race, it kind of just opened this whole door to ultra running. And there's a really big dirt trail community in Oklahoma and a lot of it is ultras. There's really not any that aren't ultras. So it just kind of became like this community and they really accepted me into it. And so I met a lot of people through that, which I didn't really know anybody here at the time since I had just moved here. So it kind of was a combination of just meeting some awesome people in the ultra community and then just constantly finding out that I could run faster or further. And I just kind of always wanted to see how much further it could go. <laughs> and unfortunately, it just keeps going. It never stops once you fall into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's essentially true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, at some point, everyone stops being curious how far how much further they can go. You know, I really hope so. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the person, right? But like, there are plenty of people who do a half marathon and they're like, that's good enough. And there are other people yeah. who do a marathon and they go, that's good enough. Other people do one ultra and they're like, that's good enough. You have people doing 100, 200, 250, right? And then people run across America and they're like, that's good enough. You know, like, you'll eventually hit the limit. Um, I hope so. I really hope it's somewhere before running across America. <laughs> yeah. I think 250 hopefully but yeah I'm totally in that boat <laughs> so take me to uh, you know you've been doing a lot of ultras um you know kind of browsing over your resume you got 53 podiums in trail running and ocr combined uh which is mm -hmm. a hefty number there um thank you and you got a bunch of ultra podiums in there so what's your fueling strategy for ultras you know what do you like to eat <laughs> and how often uh i've been running ultras for two, three years now, and I still do not have that nailed down. I change all the time. I can't, I get to the point where something works, and then I suddenly can't stomach it anymore, and so then I just throw it all out the door at my race and just wing it every single time. Interesting. It is not, not a feeling strategy that I would suggest. No, I would not suggest that. That is not, <laughs> not preferred. Um, I don't train with anything, so I know that I should if I'm trying to use it in races, but I just can't especially when it's so hot here in the summer it's 110 degrees and such you just don't want to eat anything on your long run so most of my runs are fasted pretty much 95 percent of them are so then when i go to a race i typically just bring food that i would eat normally so it typically ends up being like fruit snacks and jalapeno cheetos and that's usually what i feel with <laughs> that i feel tough as matter with so interesting yeah. <laughs> yeah not what i recommend but um, <laughs> i would not recommend right. it either <laughs> gotcha um, all right, let's start wrapping things up. Um, before we get going, 
we like to ask, you know, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. So it can be any, anything you want, something usually the less fitness related, the better. Oh boy. I did not prep you for this. No, you did not. (laughs) Um, I spend a lot of time off-roading, so I'm big into motocross and I kind of grew up on it. So people think I'm super girly a lot of times when I'm not in my OCR community. (laughs) So they're always kind of surprised to hear that I've always been around dirt bikes, motorcycles. You put me on the spot and I really can't think of anything else. Oh, that's interesting. No, we, uh, uh, the Noob Sanity, uh, Jared Newby has a course in Binghamton, a great obstacle course. They're doing a combined event with Fit Challenge. Um, him and his dad were like our pro motocross guys or used to be. I think his dad still is. I think maybe he's the younger ones retired maybe. Um, that would have been awesome. But yeah, the, the uh, so Jared Newby, his dad, um, his, his basement is literally – wall-to-wall trophies like it is <laughs> the awesome. most it's the most preposterous thing i've ever seen right? like <laughs> i have a, i have an obscene amount of like medals in my like trophy room from ocr and i walked into his basement and i was like this is completely ridiculous <laughs> I mean, it, it just takes up all the space in the basement so um that's quite impressive to be totally honest yeah it's harder than it looks so i give him credit so what's the um Give me some crossover points, right? Like, cause we like to pull lessons from other sports into OCR. So like, what can you take from motocross and apply to obstacle course racing, whether it be mindset or uh, something physical or um, whatever? Um, it was probably the first time that I learned that were like, it hurts to a point and then it doesn't get any worse as long as you just stay on it. So one of my major like mantras that I always put on my Instagram is just hold on. So that's kind of where it originated and then it just kind of transferred over into running. Like when I'm holding a pace, that's what I don't think I can hold. It's always just, just hold on. So it was always the same as well. When I race, it would always just be, just hold on. So probably just the mindset of, you know, you can do more than you think you can. Gotcha. And you know, when you say just hold on and it hurts to a certain point, what, like, again, I've never ridden motocross. So what's the, like, what makes it so hard? Um, for me, I'm small and bikes are heavy. So like my bike's over 200 pounds. So just have a, if you crash a lot, which I did growing up, uh, you get a heavy bike on you or you get ran over or stuff. It can be quite painful. I've had quite a few injuries, probably more injuries from that than I have running, honestly. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Right on. All right. We're going to start wrapping things up before we go. Uh, any final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, et cetera? Um, Chris Stengel from RunFluent has been my coach for the last two, three years. Uh, I really would not be where I am without him. And NG Nutra is one of my biggest sponsors. So shout out to them too. <laughs> right on. Good stuff. And um, thanks again for coming on. Every time uh, I'm a pretty big nerd. So every time I see your name, I think of the old uh, video game Wolfenstein 3D. Because the main character's <laughs> name is like BJ Blazkowicz. And I, <laughs> I see your last name and like I immediately think of Wolfenstein 3D. Just so you know, every time I see that, it's, um, that's what comes to mind. Uh, so is that why you're always laughing when you see me? It's not just laughing I'm just at me. I'm happy to see you. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. <laughs> it's a great game though. So um, yeah. I've never heard of it. So You've never heard of Wolfenstein that. 3D? I have not. Oh my goodness. This is, this is not good. <laughs> How old are you again? 
Uh, 29. Okay, so, so it's it's about before your time. Um, the the original is probably is before your time. The they they've been rebooting it for a while, and there's remakes on whatever. I don't even know. It's Xbox and <laughs> PS5. Or, I yeah, no see, that's why. I don't yeah. do any of that. You don't do any of that. Okay. No. <laughs> Fair enough. You're missing out. Um, I, actually, I I play arcade games, and that's about it. And uh, occasionally play stuff with my friends, but I don't. I actually don't own a system. I think I own, I own a Wii. That's Nintendo Wii. Is the, is the <laughs> last from my own. like ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But again, it's the active one. Yeah, but if you follow my social media, um, I posted it was a couple weeks ago. Um, they had like this obstacle course racing. Uh, oh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, and I beat it, and it, it's literally taking me several years. It's it's so hard. The the last part has like a moving conveyor belt, and there's like these giant uh, essentially wrecking balls swinging back and forth, and you have to like, <laughs> but you can't control when you go because the conveyor belt's just running. So it was um. I was going ballistic when I when I won. Me and my daughter were like screaming in the basement. I was like, "What are you guys that doing?" Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. If anyone else, again, if anyone else has beaten uh, the Wii Advanced uh, Obstacle Race, <laughs> let me know. That's another challenge for people. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get going. Uh, thank you for joining me. Make sure you guys are checking Mud Run Guide. Uh, head over and check out uh, Amino Co. And then on top of that. Uh, adventure got a bunch more articles coming out so uh, i've always got a stack of articles i never know when they're publishing them because i don't control that so they kind of publish them as they as they see fit but there's there's a there's a queue in both of those websites uh, waiting with my name on and then if anyone um is at a newsstand or a bookstore check out the latest issue of black belt magazine because i have an article in there which is like my first major I'd say article in like a widely distributed magazine. They have been in other magazines, but most of them are kind of niche or like you have to order them online or uh, they're paired to a company's specific brand. But this is the first one that's like, um, you know, like you can go up to any Barnes and Noble or books a million in the United States and you'll find this, you'll find this magazine. Like I guarantee it. Wow. So pretty cool. It's just an op-ed on essentially an old martial arts TV show called WMAC masters. It's like the, martial arts equivalent of pro wrestling um that they used they had for like two seasons back when i was a kid and i i wrote like an op-ed about it um so go ahead and uh check that out if you're in a bookstore maybe pick one up um that's about it and i got blegmits back in stock uh well i'm actually low on blegmits but there should be i have another shipment coming from australia that deanna just sent so uh, we'll be stocked up and ready to go again for toughest mud or chicago um, so make sure anyone that needs them uh, place an order and uh, we'll get those out to you. And then as always, uh, books are available off the website, teamstrengthspeed.com. I got Mudrun Guides Ultimate OCR Bucket List, Mudrun Guides Ultra OCR Bible uh, for anyone interested in uh, competing at Toughest Mudder, World's Toughest Mudder. And then Ultra OCR Man, so my biography, which again, takes a lot of the lessons from Ultra OCR Bible and you actually like get to see how it applies in real life because I'm linking stories to the lessons that I'm trying to teach in the, like the ultra OCR Bible. So, and then other than that, Oh, last one, I almost forgot this one. Uh, check out. So the tough mother has launched a new thing called infant hero foundation challenge. Um, I might be, might be messing that up a little. They, they keep tweaking the name. Essentially it's a 10 hour team endurance event, right? So it's not, it's not competitive. So uh, you don't have to worry about winning or losing or coming in last or whatever. Um, and essentially you sign up, and then you have to fundraise for a charity uh, that donates money um, to help uh, prevent soldier 
suicide. And uh, so it's like a team building event and uh, about 10 hours long it takes place Saturday. It starts right before the tougher mutter wave and essentially runs all day. So I'm working some backside stuff with them. Uh, we're actually right about to run the beta test coming up. And then the first event is, I think, before the end of August. I got to look at the dates again. But yeah, if anyone wants to do that, check that out. Um, I should be at all of them, uh, kind of acting as more of like a cadre. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty cool event. And I've got some pretty cool stuff planned and some additional little perks that uh, you definitely want to come out to check that out uh, and bring some friends. All right. Kate, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. Sweet. Good talking <laughs> to you. I will see you in less than two weeks in uh, Battle of the Lines. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll catch you later. All right. Bye.